Welcome on in. Enswell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at pearlhanmail.com. You're welcome on in indeed. It's a privilege and a pleasure once again to be in your ears for this episode in a week where the wheels of the world are slowly beginning to turn. With Top Rank announcing two shows for the next seven days, once again, the US is in turmoil with riots, looting and a shameful murder of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police. And remarkably, foolishly, probably predictably, the Irish quote-unquote supporters turned out for the second week in their droves in support of the late George Floyd in Dublin. Over the last two weeks they've been out in force and of course the week before that they were out for DIY stores and garden centres. Pray tell what they'll be like when the pubs buy their new toasters and open those dusty old doors. Here's what's coming up in today's episode. Jordan Reynolds left behind a stellar amateur career where he captained England. He won multi-nation tournaments, ABAs, he represented Team GB all over the world. He's now teamed up with our very own Pete Taylor to begin what looks set to be a hugely promising pro career. Jordan joined me on Friday evening to talk to the Irish fans all about his plans and his career to date. Well, we've done all right. We've done all right. I've had over 100 fights. 110 fights. Won, won about 98, 97 or something like that. Books from national level to European to world level. Won international, more national titles, as we just said. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like um, I'm, I'm well, well ready, you know, learn my pedigree, my apprenticeship, as you could say. I'm ready to take on the pro ranks. And in a slight change to the original plan, a reorg and a reshuffle means today's second guest is Belfast Quiet Man, former WBO European champ, former light heavyweight, and new cruiserweight Stephen Ward. I prefer, I don't mind being away, like, but this time was different, see, because that was the longest I've ever been home in one go. And when I came to leaving on the Sunday night, the head in the camp, Generally didn't want to go home yet. And just in case you've been feeling a wee bit under the weather, anxious, down in the dumps, around COVID-19 and lockdown phases, and there's a few little clips which will make you realise they're not as bad as they seem and could be an awful lot worse. I'm not going to swim in the uh, fear pool this week. I'm not going to swim in the virtue signalling pool either. But we are going to start off with the shout-outs. And a big one goes to my man in Newbridge as always, Chris Viva La Vegan Dowling. And a special shout out to a fellow I haven't seen or heard of in a long, long time, a Newbridge stalwart, Paul Hallow. Uh, great to hear from you, my man. Hope you're keeping well. Condolences have to go to my best pal and uh, and uh, his family, the Lee family from Newbridge. Sleep tight, fatty. We'll see you again someday. Um, top photographer from down under, Ving Nguyen. I hope I pronounced your name right. And thank you very much for your support during the week and for sharing lots increase in following this week so it's nice to see things growing down there and always appreciate it the G-Train Lauren the wee man Dylan uh, congratulations on your new arrival what a beautiful little bundle she is and she's brightened up lives even by just looking at that smile and uh, daddy you're going to have those hands full <laughs> a special shout out and a big big hello to Mark Heffron across there in Oldham he's a show coming down the line really soon whether it's behind closed doors or not we don't know 
but we'll be in touch and we'll hopefully be able to speak to Mark someday soon. Matt Partridge, Dennis, Michael Zarafa, Josh Arnold, Benny Mahoney and all the listeners in Australia, as I said, Jason Coyne, Jason Brown and everybody who's clicked, followed us and uh, given us those words of, of support during the week. Really appreciate it. It was great to hear from Michael Zarafa. Something I'm trying to do over the next few episodes is just broaden the horizons. So watch this space. And the last but not least, the thanks to everybody who has clicked and signed their name to the St. Teresa's Boxing Club petition. Very, very important that uh, Regan, Mark and all the guys out there in Bray get your support. So I'm going to put it in today's episode show notes again. If you could click it, put your name on it and share it around to your pals. It's really, really important. I failed a little bit of everything over the years. Not enough of anything to stop me chasing and following dreams and, or having hope. And I've seen a lot, as most people will have, who have, as most people who have will, as most people who have eyes to see have. But it's a long, long time since I've seen the levels of hate, poison, unhappiness, discontent, ignorance. Not only in the world, we got to be honest, in Ireland too. No matter what topic, no matter what narrative, no matter who's talking about what. There's just so many parrots. And again, those who have eyes to see, they'll only believe half of what they see. And they're pretty much none of what they hear. And yeah, yeah, we've had some tough times. We've had days, things look bleak, we feel lost. But they're the days where you learn and earn. And here's a little bit of something you want to listen to that may just make your bad day seem a little less bad. Three of the wounded did not make it. And the word was passed that it was time for us to perform our job. And the sinking feeling in the pit of my belly fell into the sea. And several of us quickly cleared our sleeping area to make room for the processing. We stood in earnest under incandescent lights watching our fellow M.A. Marines carrying the remains of our fallen brothers in and lowered them on to the sandy floor of our sleeping area. It was out of reverence that no one spoke. The slow sound of a heavy zipper being opened on each bag was deafening, and the confused emotions began to whirl inside my soul. The female chaplain assigned leaned over to whisper to one of our teammates, you guys have a very tough job, very tough. His fingers were still wrenched together just as he had done earlier as he writhed in pain and the tracks of his tears were still visible. When the zipper of the third bag was undone, It revealed an individual whose whole head had been bandaged in thick, bloody gauze. I thought to myself, how can that guy breathe through all that gauze? Then it dawned on me, and I felt stupid. He was dead, and the medical staff had bandaged his head to keep all the pieces in. I was um, walking out of the tactical operations center on our little base on that day and I remember I I I walked out and um, 
I looked over to my right. I walked out the door, and I looked over to my right, um, and I saw you. And you were on your knees. You were fairly covered in blood. And you were uh, washing the blood, washing the blood out of Ryan's helmet. And and I realized um, that this was going to take a very personal toll on everybody. And those clips you've just heard are from Jocko Willink who is a retired Navy SEAL officer, author, co-founder of the Echelon Front, and he is, of course, the host of his top-rated podcast, Jocko Podcast. One of, if not the most hard-hitting and real podcasts around. And Jocko spent 20 years in the Navy SEAL teams, rising through the ranks to become commander of SEAL Team 3 Task Unit Bruiser, the most highly decorated special operations unit of the Iraq War. Jocko Podcast is one that I listen to Not all the time, if I'm being honest, because it can be very hard-hitting. It talks about survivors and many who were lucky to survive with very telling injuries from the many wars in recent years. But they talk straight, they talk true. And if I'm feeling like I'm having a bad day, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, and I'm feeling like I can't do something, I listen to the podcast. And one of the first podcasts I listened to, one of the many podcasts I listened to when I was getting my head together and getting my trying to grow my cojones to go on this adventure of mine. Jocko's was one of them. So I want to thank Jocko. It was a great thrill to be able to include this in today's podcast. It was a great thrill to have a reply from them. And uh, I want to thank him and and Echo and the team at Jocko Podcast. And looking firmly down the line, I can hopefully and honestly say that we will have Jocko on here someday, somehow, because all this is happening. So why won't that? And one of the taglines that Jocko lives and dies by is something I believe we need to do here in Ireland. Get after it. Our first guest today comes to us with an amateur career of 98 wins from 110 fights. He won ABAs, he captained England, he won multi-nation tournaments, he represented at the very highest level. And now it's his time to turn over and bring that pedigree to the pro game. Jordan Reynolds is from the Hodderson Club amongst others, in Luton, and he joined me to chat all about that and some. It's a pleasure to welcome you, Jordan. You're the second man from Luton, the second boxer we've had on from Luton. The first, of course, is my, my friend, the big Egypt himself, Billy Schwer, and we have to give Billy a shout-out. You've captained England, you've won multi-nations, you've, you've won a couple of ABAs, you've gone the distance, haven't you, in the amateurs, and now it's it's phase two. That's it, man. This is like, so this has always been about the pro game. The whole spotlight's on you, do you know what I mean? I, I love to entertain, but with amateur, the, the amateur side, yeah, I've, start, I've started boxing late, I started boxing at 16, um, started boxing a bit late, but we've done alright, we've done alright, I've, I've, uh, I've had over 100 fights, 110 fights, won, won about 98, 97 or something like that, boxed from national level to European to world level, won international, more national titles, like we just said, and uh, yeah, I've, I've, I feel like um, I'm, I'm well, well ready you know, learn my pedigree, my apprenticeship, as you could say, and I'm ready to, to take on the pro ranks. And I've, built, I've got a big following back at my home hometown, Luton. 
doing over a thousand things in an amateur if I was just in London. So now, now this is the time. Do you know what I mean? This is when it all. This is this is when this is the real journey. This is the real journey because I've kind of always been behind, sacrificing behind the scenes and things like that. But I've still got to do my following. But this is the exciting bit now. This is what I'm, I'm more suited for. This is what I've really been working towards since I first placed the gloves on. Yeah, and and um, I'm right in saying you box out with the Hardison Club in in Luton. Is that right? Well, now, so I started at, I started my career at Graham Mills House of Champions uh, in Luton as a pro gym. But I couldn't book to the pro gym. So actually, so then I booked for Stevenage. And then uh, I'd done my whole, about three or four years at West Ham. West Ham was a famous boxing club, you know. West Ham represented were the best in the country. And then my trainer passed away and things like that. So I moved to Hodgston. And with Hodgston, under Sableo, I just excelled. I, uh, Come on the England team, coming the captain over 15 fights or 20 fights of England, never lost, and then going to the Olympic team. And then I was supposed to go to the Olympics, and then things happen in circumstances like this. So I just thought, you're taking the boxes there, you've got extensive pedigree, you've got the momentum, everything behind you. Just just to give a little visual for anyone that isn't familiar with Jordan, to picture Andy Lee when he was about 22, 23, and he's the absolute image of him. Does another very familiar and very well-known world champion come out of there as well? Am I right in saying Billy Joe Saunders came from that side? Yeah, and do you know what? With Billy Joe Saunders, to be fair, I was on the for about 18 years old. I was, at, uh, I was training with Mark. Well, my, my, my trainer died, Mickey May, who's the legend of the game. He made, he made over 120 national champions. Uh, from the likes of Terry Spinks, the big gold medalist, Kevin Mitchell, Nigel Ben, all, all these. He passed away and I felt a bit lost. So, And I was his last champion he made. So I, I, um, I thought, oh, I want to turn pro. I was only 18. Had about 50 fights at this time, junior junior level. And then I was just off. Well, I kind of felt like I wanted to be ready. And I gave Jimmy Tibbs my tips. And I spoke to Billy and he said, nah, he said, he said I was at uh, Hoddesdon. And he was like, and I thought, oh, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to actually just try it. And Hoddesdon was only 50 minutes drive from mine. And I, I was traveling as a kid, 16 years old. I was here trained to be two hours here to West Ham. I was just a young boy, do you know what I mean? And, and West, East Ham, East, like the East End's rough and tough, so. I've always, I've always sacrificed, but then I took the, I took the move to Hoddesdon, 50 minutes in the car, found my feet, and then I just I kind of like, had a little setback in the first year, but then after that, it's just my nightmares start flying, flying from international tournaments to become face of Sweden, winning the King of the Ring, defending my soul there. And yeah, it's flying, man. Really, uh, yeah, Hoddesdon was a big, uh, big part of my journey. Your record speaks for itself. Fighter doesn't just walk in and walk on to Team GB. And anyone that's not familiar, Team GB is the UK version of uh, the elite high performance unit in Dublin. And let me just tell you that there is nothing, nothing easy with it. The same as our guys in Dublin, they are coming the elite, the elite, the cream of the crop. I agree with you, 25 in years, 25 in experience, part of your career, it can be overdone as well. And we've, we've seen quite a lot of amateurs that, that just stay that little bit too long on the amateur side and they, and they just cannot make the transition. So I, I think from what I'm what I'm hearing, seeing, and feeling, met. You're on the island now. Have they welcomed you well? Even when I was on Team GB, alright, I was still getting flights over, trying to build a, I was building a relationship. Actually, you know what? All people don't know is actually, I'm good friends with Gary Cully, who's based in Nace, and uh, he's quite a big name in Ireland now. And I was staying in his, and I was actually going to go box for, uh, I was going to go in the Irish Nationals. Because I thought, oh, I'm going to box. I thought, in my head, I thought, I can't make England, so I thought, I was actually going to go see if I can book for the Irish team, get into the Irish team. But then England phoned me up and said they want me and things like that. So obviously I thought there's big opportunity in England and I'm, and I'm like, I'm half myself as English, even though my mum's side and dad's side, they're, they're from Ireland and I've 
come over here and I've uh, actually kind of re- reunited with them all and brought kind of family together, really. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of building a relationship back then. And uh, yeah, now I'm over there. I know all the lads anyway. Good crack, hard, rough, tough, different level, mate. Like, there's no, there's no, like, it's, it's straight into the deep end, to be honest. Like, I can't even explain it. I can't. And the pro training is different anyway because you're in the gym a lot longer, but. And he plays, Pete, Pete was playing tricks, you know, with the training. He don't, like, you'll be doing four or five minute rounds, sometimes six minute rounds just firing, and you don't even know you're feeling yourself. You know, like, um, but it's, you know, without, to, to grow, we must, we must suffer, and, and mm-hmm. I've been suffering since I've been here, I've been sacrificing myself since I've been here. Like, I could have easily stayed at home in England, I've had, you know, I could, I've had, I could have trained with Louv, Brigham, you know, the Tibbses. Ben Davidson, but I just thought there's nothing like real isolation, even though we're in isolation at the moment, but this is just another step up and taking myself away for actions and get things going and I, I, can't, I can't actually give detail enough credit because I went to him and I thought I should give myself, what the fuck have I been learning? And anything you've said there, Jordan, has been echoed by any fighter and every fighter that's trained in the beat. Um, I've yet to hear anybody come about a bad story or a bad um, experience, but listen, there comes a time, I suppose, and you're more aware than anybody else. And Kenneth Egan said to me not so long ago, he said that um, he didn't want his life to be defined by what he did as an amateur boxer or by a silver medal or anything else. And and I get that impression from all the champions. You've got the hunger, you've got the drive, you've got it all. And uh, you're very, very much in the now and you're working hard. I'm glad um, I'll, I'll be speaking to you two, you'll be two stable mates, the two Tyrones. Uh, what a pair of characters. Have. Yeah, you mate, you know what? They're good to have around, you know what I mean? Like, uh, we'll, we'll crack on. I think we're all focused on what we're doing, but it's good just to have a little look at them and let this Joey punch the laugh. Do you know what I mean? It's just a, they do bring good spirits, and you need that. Even with it's just it's a good stable of ages as well, and and like um, everyone's on their own different path, and so so everyone's got like good. There's always good advice. There's always you know little experience you can take things from people and people's brains, and so. I'm quite, I feel like I'm quite blessed in that. You got through the isolation. How did you find that for yourself? Was it a, a test or did you come through it or was it? I, I think isolation separates the weak from the strong. Finally, it shows who, who wants it, who don't, who's slacking, who makes excuses. I've seen people on Facebook going, oh, there's no gym, I don't know what to do. I think to myself, listen, go, go outside, go try outside, do some burpee jumps. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no excuse. If you, if you want to make it, you've only got one shot in this career, mate. And, and if you want to make it, you've got to be putting the work in. And I, listen, Isolation for boxers is 24 7 anyway, it's no different. Luckily, I had a gym, I was training at a gym. Nothing changed, nothing really changed, but nothing actually changed. Apart from like, first couple of weeks I was a bit wary and knew who was, but then I was still getting to work in, strength, boxing, and then I thought, alright, I've got a ferry over here, still, still, still the same, I'm still, uh, yeah, I'm ready, mate. I could, I could literally take a fall off and do it for six. You're going to campaign at middleweight, Jordan, eh? Well, yeah, I'm aiming for that anyway. I'm chipping away, I'm chipping away in a way, and I've got, I've got to say, I feel, because I made that weight since I was 18, you know, 18, 19. I'll be big to the weight, but, um, yeah, I'll just see how it goes, mate. You're in good company there as well. You've got Luke Keeler, you've got lads in there around that are going to be able to, and, and there's great sparring, there's great competition, great rivalry, but the blend of the banter and everything else is in there as well so it, it, it all makes for an exciting career it's probably impossible for you to answer right now and probably even if you could you're probably not allowed until the 
until Jamie and the fellas upstairs make the decisions. Are we going to see some behind closed doors fights for you before uh, before long? Yeah, definitely. They, they're saying uh, soon as we can get out, I'm out. Leave the boxing aside for a moment. How have you found understanding all the different accents? Because Pete Stable up there has a mixture of Belfast and has Dublin in it. They're talking to me, and I'm like, I'm like nodding like this. I'm supposed to turn to go, they're waffling on. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer. I'm like, huh? To be fair, they don't have a they don't have a clue. Pete Pete Taylor doesn't fucking clue what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? He he listens. He's, he knows. It's just a big me. And trust me, Jordan. Trust me. Not just the Belfast fellas. Us Irish tend to speak fast, especially with some of the Dublin lads. Belfast fellas can be hard in their time, especially if they're wound up and they, and they talk much faster. But listen, you're in good company. They're good lads. Every one of them to a man. They'll they'll get your back. You'll flourish. There's no doubt about it. And I can't wait to see. You. Before I let you go. Your music taste. Talk to me about your 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 love for the what shall we say what we call it skiffle. I think I'm just bored of the whatever. I love I love anything to do with the fifties from twenties from the twenties jazz Gatsby to fifties rock and roll Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Bobby Darren, Hank Williams, country. I love country. I'm I'm just I, I and I don't even know because my family they're like mum and dad was a, they're all like Motown and things like that and they they must think to themselves what what is what's happened to you? Do you know what I mean like especially where I'm from. Still rap, UK rap, is that I'm walking around with well, the bless of my soul, what's wrong with me? Elvis Presley, everyone's looking at me like, man, you're crazy, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of 1950s rock and roll from old school country, Conway Twitty, Loretta Lynn, George Jones, Hank Williams, to, you know, um, to jazz, you know, like Glenn Miller and, you know, Benny Goodman and things like that. And I loved it that much. I even started doing all the old school dancing, like Lindy Hop, Jive, Charleston and things like that. So Wait till you see Tyrone McKenna and Tommy Mac dancing. And when they have the dance-offs and everything else, mate, you are in the perfect place. Because let me tell you, and I do not they won't mind me saying it, those boys can move. They'll never be showing up, mate. I'm going to mate. You know what I mean? But I'm all right, I'm all right. Would you like to reduce your monthly bills? Whether it's utility bills such as electricity, gas, TV and broadband or mobile phone, mortgage and various life, home or pet insurance. I choose want to find the best deal for the Irish consumer and make sure you get the best deal every time. Click the link in today's show notes, sign up and I choose will do the rest. Watch for the name, Jordan Reynolds, if not in a boxing ring, at a dance floor near you soon. Thanks for that Jordan, really looking forward to watching you grow. Have a little look around the news headlines, Carl Frampton is back in camp this week took the ferry, would you believe, across to the UK, which allows him to set up camp in anticipation for what we hope will be a July-August fight. It's safe to say it's not going to be against Jamal Herring, but we'll find out soon against who and where. The assassin, James Tennyson, is another one that we're likely to see out really soon. He's had four hugely eye-catching wins since switching to the lightweight. He's now ranked 15 in the world, likely to face Welsh opponent Gavin Gwynn, most likely and hopefully on the Matchroom's fight camp card. Another Belfast fighter looking to return with a bang is Sean McComb. He delivered a series of dazzling performances on his way to turning 10-0. His last few fights have been successive step-ups and the next one is likely to be a significant step-up also against Welsh opponent Craig Evans, who Irish fans may just remember beats poor old Stephen Ormond twice. Have to try and get in touch with Steo. I've messaged him a few times. Hopefully we can catch up with him soon. Frank Warren has stated again this week that Tyson Fury and AJ is an easy fight to make, quote-unquote. Both have fights locked in for their immediate next, and there's been lots of speculation as to where and when it may go ahead. China, Middle East, UK, 
all likely venues, but Frank rightly states that any potential fight should, could and would be a 50-50 purse split. Eddie Hearn looks set to roll out three huge fights under the Matchroom US banner. Chocolatito versus Juan Estrada 2. The two of them hold Superfly titles and it will be a fascinating rematch. That first one was tough to watch. He's also making a fantastic fight between Regis Progre and Mo Hooker. Both, of course, coming off loss at £140, but it's sure to be an all-action bout. And he also looks like it could well make Devin Haney versus Luke Campbell for the WBC regular. Top rank have two cards coming up over the next few days. June 9th card, which is headlined by Shakur Stevenson against Felix Harbalo. Co-feature on that is Michaela Mayer versus Helen Joseph. And also down to fight on that card for a six-rounder is former Italian amateur star. He did everything in the vest. He's now turned 6-0 and as a pro. Guido, the gladiator, Vanello. And then on June 11th, Jesse Magdaleno versus Yafel Vincente. Tops that card. And the co-main on that is Adam Blunos Lopez versus Louis Correa. If Lopez sounds familiar, it is, of course, because he boxed Oscar Valdez in his last fight where he took it at a few days' notice and had the audacity to plant Valdez on his ass. He ultimately, he went on to lose that fight but gained huge credit in the boxing world and he's now making his final preparations with coach Buddy McGirt. A fight to look out for down the line, just one to put in the diary if you want to make a note for the 7th of July is Ivan Baranchik versus Jose Zapeda. It will be an absolute barnstormer. You're guaranteed, these, these two styles clash, they're guaranteed they cannot not deliver. One of the ways many people record, edit and produce podcasts is to do them in block and be a couple of episodes ahead of themselves. It's something I've toyed with. It's something I do occasionally do, maybe one, two at the very most. But as luck would have it for me, generally something somewhere along the line, either my timing is off or whatever. And this week you may as well, you may have seen the early advertisement was for the two Tyrones to come on with me. And uh, next week was for Big Stephen Ward. That's just been reversed around. The Quiet Man joined me on Sunday evening to chat about being back in camp, about everything that goes with living with the likes of Conrad Cummings, the Jack Carl Frampton, and his new adventure as he starts to campaign at Cruiserweight. I know, I think, I think whenever Conrad was here, he was probably the hardest to live with. Was he, was, really? Aye, oh, Conrad, oh, he's just, Conrad's a good lad, like, but he's just a messy biggie, just, <laughs> like, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, oh mate, he's just, he's just like, he's just like a mummy's boy. He literally doesn't know how to do anything. Ah, listen, it's all good, it's all good. But you're back. Is that the first week over now? That's the first week over. I first with a, it's, it's, it's a, it was a hard week. It was a hard week, mate. You know, being back, just getting back to used to everything. I think everyone's living used to doing a wee session at home now for a couple of months and. It was the first, first, first sort of solid week back. It was hard. It was good, but it was just it was tough. You know what I mean? I was ready to see the end of the week. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that. And is it um, is it any tougher or any easier being like with yourself being based in Manchester? Does it? Would you, in an ideal world, you'd be happy to stay there and just get it get through it, or would it be an ideal world to get back and see the kids and see everything? I I prefer. I don't mind being away. Like, but this time was different. See, because that was the longest I've ever been home in one go. Um, ever since me and the wife's been together, actually, I think we were talking about it the other day, and when I came to leaving on the Sunday night, the head in the camp generally didn't want to go, mate. Usually, usually I'm not bad. Usually, you know, you just sort of think, right, it has to be done, and you go. But I got into, I, I was in the real routine of being home and yeah. being around the kids and having ha- having time with them, which was lovely. 
So I it was it was hard leaving, but me personally, I don't think I trained the best I can when I'm at home with too many distractions and you end up doing things with the kids and all, you know. <laughs> you know, I think even from an amateur, when you're, when you're a kid and you're going away to these training camps away, you sort of get the best out of yourself and I think you get into a habit of it. And uh, now you don't get me wrong, you get some fighters that, that can do it. I think it takes, this, it, take, it takes a special kind of fighter to be able to do it at home, I think. But for me, I love being able to go away and I get a routine of what I do every day and, you know, you get plenty of time to rest and recover in between sessions and I just really, I, I feel like it's more discipline too, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it could be in your head where you feel like you're you're sacrificing more. But isn't that where 90% of it is won and lost, Steve, isn't it? It's in the head. So if you go back there and, oh, it's, and, and, and we've seen it so many times, you, you, everybody, we've all seen it. If, if the head's oh, not right, the body's not going to follow, I suppose, you know, so... 100% mate 100% I definitely agree like. um, but listen you've got a part of apart from your boxing and apart from anything else um, you're you're renowned for your discipline and you're renowned for being um, you attributed uh, quite humbly a lot of it to being able to make the, the light heavy for a long time as to the discipline was that tested over the lockdown or was what did you cruise through it did you make us all look foolish <laughs> no do you, know, do you know what mate um, I think I think it's different like this, as far as the dif- discipline is my old amateur coach was always very disciplined when he was training us and stuff so I think it sort of stemmed from then but the reason I think I was so disciplined is because I had to be to make 175 mm. um, realistically I probably probably grew out of it a fight before the Conroy fight I remember when I first came down to train with Jamie Moore obviously I was with Oliver Harrison initially I trained with Oliver Harrison for a year who obviously trained Amir Khan trained Jamie Moore Martin Murray Rocky Fielding and I ended up over my own training with, training with Oliver. And whenever Oliver got sick and I went down to train with Jamie, I walked in, Jimmy Jimmy Murray says, You know what we you fight at? I says, Oh, light heavy and he just laughed. Mm. And he just says, you know, there's no way you do light heavy big man, you'll never make one seven five and he says, You're a you're a cruiserweight all day long. Um, and and I made it. And I made it okay for a while and I made it a sheer discipline, but then 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 it became like a it became more of a negative impact on my body. I was able to make it through discipline, but I was just wrecked. Do you know what I mean? Incredible. And I mean, I, did, just... I think I read somewhere at one point in time, roughly speaking, you were around, the figures were somewhere around 15, you were walking around, and then to get down to 12 and a half. I mean, that's... Whew. Yeah. Usually in between camps, I would probably walk about it, about 15-4. And, mm. and, and, and that would be me coming into camp in decent enough shape. Like, yeah. I would still be, like, I would still, would still be in decent shape, as Jim always say. For people that aren't aware of Steve, Big Stevie Ward, have a look at his profile, have a look at it. He's not just tall, he's, 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 he's as my gran used to say, you're like a brick shithouse, you've got a pair of shoulders. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he carries with him, he doesn't carry with him the stereotypical big man frame, he's got the six pack, he's got, so he, he could be a hitman, he could be a, he could be a bouncer, and he could be a boxer, he could be on video games he's got it all in front of him so who knows in future oh, nice. um when you're not in daddy mode and you're not in 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 training mode um you, you could very well be uh be the next um jason statham or someone like that who knows there you go i'm sure that'll keep there's something for you to hit frampton with later on when he's talking about his singing and everything else <laughs> you're not the only one with options mate but um, a big part of a big part of what gets through, I suppose, the hard weeks. And, and Jamie, I love Jamie's approach. I love his attitude, and I love I love everything about those. Um, 
I suppose we'll call them the, the, these modern day coaches because they they, yeah. they let you guys find your way, but without letting it slack at any point. It's not a case of cracking the whip across the board for everybody. You've all, they realize everyone has their own way of doing things. How, how key is that when it gets to the grind and it gets to those uh, when you're in the hurt box and, and you've got lads like Frampton trying to crack out a tune or you've got big Conrad there trying to God knows what. And it, it must be a big help when you've got those fellas around you, especially fellow fellow Belfast men. Aye, aye. It's literally, you know, as in the first year I was over in Manchester, I was here on my own. It was just me. Um, when I was Oliver Harrison, um, and it was grim. It was really <laughs> grim, mate. You know, every day, every day, it was just on my own for weeks and weeks at a time. I wasn't really running about anyone in Oliver's gym. And then whenever, obviously, I got in with Jamie and the boys, it's just, it's been a godsend, to be Tommy honest. Coyle gone uh, now as well, Jesus. Aye, Tommy, but Tommy's still down. Tommy's down in the gym no more. So Tommy, oh, Tommy's still in the gym, aye. He still comes down, he takes his own pads. He, Tommy's as much there as there he was. So, obviously, Tommy's from Hull, so sometimes Tommy would come down, you would get tactics and, and they'd do a bit of video on what he what he had to do. If you're talking to him, maybe shoot your number, shoot the number across to him and see, it'll be some oh, buzz for the... Tommy's the type of man, a hundred percent, he would do. Tommy's a salt of the earth, as yeah. they say. You know, Tommy, Tommy's a dead on. If he knew, like, maybe you should flip and see any time. Our Jimmy's good. Our Jim, I'll see any time you want to get over to the gym, over here to the gym. Maybe you, if you come over and see meet all the boys, obviously down the gym and dead on that way. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always wary of paying respect to the guy that I'm speaking with at the time. So I'll, I'll chat to you another time about maybe catching up with the fellas. But I appreciate your offer and everything. It was, it was it's brilliant. Oh, man, it, Anytime, yeah. Don't want to start off in a downer either, but you're you're coming back off that golden contract loss, and um, no, no, there's no downer, mate. Don't worry about that. No, and no, but I just want to be respectful. And if there's anything that I, I I'm not, no, no, don't be silly, don't be silly, no, mate. No, no, I appreciate that. Anyone that knows you or follows you knows there's never been any excuses. There's no bullshit. There's no corners. There's no hiding places. There's no nothing. And it struck me after the, the performance, looking at it in parallel with everything else, it, it wasn't a Stephen Ward performance. And, and anyone that wants to argue that, bring it. Okay, because we'll have that argument because all you have to do is look at it. There's no excuses. There may be reasons. There may be, you didn't hide behind it. But after those style performances, thankfully, you haven't had too many of them. You, you've been, it's been a steady curve upwards. But when, when something like that happens, Steve, how or when does the analysis start? After you see initially plans were after the Conroy fight to move up to Cruiser. Um but me and me and Jamie and Nigel had decided that. Then we got offered in the golden contract, which listen me, it's fucking massive yeah. opportunity. And I would never I would never forgive myself if I didn't do it. Um and to be honest, as as might sound, I wouldn't change it. If I still had the opportunity to go and do it again, I would have done it. Um yeah, just I got in and maybe just wasn't as healthy as a weight as what I thought it was going to be, but still made mistakes. So I got caught early on and got and got hurt. I just I just didn't have the endurance of what I had previously. Um, after the fight, I was gutted. Obviously, it uh, took a day or two at home with the wife and the kids, um, and then. I'm a bit of a realist, mate. I just knew, you know, fuck, I lost. And that's, that's just it. There's nothing you can do about it. Whether it was due to the weight or whether it was due to performance, of the fact was a loss. So I got in contact with Jamie and I says, you know, he he didn't even have to, to say, he, you know, for confirmation when you were going to move up the cruiser then. As an amateur, my last five years were cruiser. I only came down to light heavyweight as a pro because of the day before weigh-in, which made me think that I could be a bit a bit stronger yeah. at light heavy of a day before weighing. 
Um, so yeah, I think it was a week after the fight, after the defeat, I met with my strength addition coach and uh, felt like there was a lot, lot of nutrition advice and pretty much it, right? No point crying over what's happened now. We want to move up. Um, what do I need to do? Um, we literally set wheels in motion, and that was it, mate. And for anybody not familiar with that said, uh, strength and nutritionist course, the man is a phenom, and I want to give him his props. I want to give him his his, his due here. He was on with Kieran on Boxing Bands a little while ago. Tony O'Neill. Nutritionists are a special breed, anyways. They make things happen that people don't realize can be done with true food like by eating a trailer full of food and still losing a whole pile of weight you know and uh, but what really really struck me about tony is and and i can't help feeling he's going to be an integral part of your story as you move ahead to cruiser is that he's able to take it and not speak in gobbledygook he's able to put it into ordinary everyday english that the man on the street uh, or the woman terms how, uh, how um 100%. how big a part is that going to be and has he been as your um as your nutritionist coach as part of the team massive massive i i think him, him and my condition coach um gareth dagger they have a pretty good relationship where i i, I like tony because tony educates himself in the fact of nutrition so i don't have to always be pastoring him um like making light heavyweight i i'd, I'd weigh all my food and weighed everything and record everything he had to have a, a diary of exactly what I was eating and what was coming away. So I had to do that to make light heavy, but it's now a matter of just doing the exact same thing, but for a different purpose to, to become, I don't want to become master of cruiserweight because I'm naturally a cruiserweight anyway. It's just about being the best where I can be a cruiser. And, and, and if that means coming in at 14-2 or 14-4, as long as I'm coming in fit and healthy and strong, that's really all that matters. And, He's a man to bounce ideas off on what to eat, what not to eat, how much to eat, or if you're getting, if you're struggling to get not enough carbohydrates or something, and he always has lots of options. So he's brilliant. He's very, he's a, he's a well-educated man. It'll be a constant um, interaction between the two of you. Who manages that? In, is that for you down to the fight or down to uh, Stephen Ward to in, to manage the interaction between Tony? Uh, Gareth, and then of course between Jamie and Nigel as well, or do the whole do the guys manage to keep in touch as well themselves? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jimmy, Jimmy, and Jimmy and Nigel are solely the boxing side of things. So obviously tactics and and and, and that side of things outside between the thing edition and between Tony, it would just be me and and them three. Obviously, we would all sort of work off a triangle and, and bounce off each other and. And just keep tired and seeing every everything's going. But I like, to, I almost like to become a bit independent, as in like a, yeah. a sort of want to learn and know what I'm doing myself. Like, do you know what I mean? Your hands on as such, so so you can control your everyday stuff, which is probably then, which again is ticking those that extra little box, as the as the famous yeah. saying goes, when you're making the ring walk, all those boxes are ticked, but they're ticked by you. Aye, aye. So I like I like to know it's. And even now I'm in, I'm in camp now with Frampton and I'm able to eat a bit more and stuff. And um, But it's about knowing what, what the right foods are I'm eating and, and making sure I'm getting sort of... I'm going to plant my tongue, I'm going to plant my tongue on my cheek here and you're, promo- you're pre- preparing for cruiserweight. But um, if story and rumour to believe that Frampton could eat like a cruiserweight too, if it suits him, could he? He's, he's a lion's appetite. <laughs> oh, he does indeed. Yeah, that big man lo- loves his food. Like, But he... he when we're in camp as well, like he, he's just like me. He, he pretty, he's pretty strict. Well, we, mm. we're both pretty good eaters in camp. Like, do you know what I mean? We, we yeah. wouldn't really eat a lot of shit. 
No, well, listen, anyone just has to look at him when he was making bantamweight. I mean, and look at the shape he was oh, in there, you know, frightening, you know, frightening. Every camp differs for every boxer, and I suppose there was a little bit of that crossover when you're moving with Oliver sadly passing and then the lad's taking over. At this stage yeah. now, you're well established, you've had a couple of fights. It's the funny short period of time that Nigel and Jamie have been running it. There's been a lot of highs and lows. There's been, and not just in the ring, there's been, of course, there was the amazing win for Rocky. There was your amazing wins. There was amazing performance for Carl. And then there was the odd stuff, like the broken hand and just things like that. Um, it's safe to say you've probably compacted a, a lifetime, or was it certainly four or five years worth of stuff into a couple of years. And now it's all settled down. Does that make the camp a little bit more easier to endure or is every camp just grueling? No, I think, I think every, every camp is, is, is grueling, but I think in reference to, you see, the, the difference is, is that every, every fight, every fight, like as any fight, I'll tell you, like it's your world title, isn't it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? No matter, no matter who you're fighting, but I've definitely had a few color, colorful moments, obviously with Frampton and, and that bloody pillar falling on his hand Jesus. and then obviously had Rocky and then, Rocky Fighting Canelo and obviously Martin Murray and Rocky's Tommy Toad as well and Tommy yeah, yeah against Tommy against Algeria in, in in New York. I think I think if anything it makes it it makes me not almost as afraid of the sport. You know, I, the only thing I don't understand me is the UK here. We have this obsession with your hero, like staying unbeaten. Where yeah, that's true. In this, in the states, it's it's nothing. Like look at Tevin Farmer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like in the states, they don't have this. Obviously, it's, if you have it, you have it. They don't have this obsession. They don't have the likes of um. Oh, you have to keep you. You you get fighters that are world quality fighters who you have maybe lost three or four fights. Yeah. Um, and for me, anyway, just to get back to what I was saying, it makes you not as fear of losing because you see, you can see that how fighters can bounce back, how they can come back, come back even stronger. So. And and you get a realization of how how realistic it is to become a world champion or a British champion or a Commonwealth champion. I think the casual fans bring a lot of that with them. I think Floyd Mayweather was responsible for a lot of it, and I think fellas like yourself, like Frampton, like Jason Quigley, like Andy Lee, speaking sensibly about it. I mean, let's be respectful. I, I watch a little bit of MMA. I wouldn't claim to be a fan, but they can tap like Michael Flatley and come out and fight the next week and fill an arena somewhere. You know what I mean? So, uh, and, and there's no disrespect or there's no disregard on them. It, it's it's an education thing, I think, for fans. And I think it's going to come from the new wave of fighters led by the likes of yourselves and Frampton and that. And I think you're 100% right. It's the performance, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you perform well. I think that's, that, that's obviously you want to win, but and, and you're going to win every time. But I just think sometimes... People are some some fighters can be wrapped in cotton wool just to keep their you know for the stay mm. unbeaten whenever they're not really getting the fights that they maybe should be getting. And I think I can't help thinking, and maybe it's the optimist in me. I think the preciousness is going to have to go a little bit in this new era because I think with people being rested up for so long and probably some lads didn't use the time too wisely. I'd say there's a lot of lads that maybe were super featherweight at one oh, point and maybe going to be tipping up with you there in a while, let's say, but <laughs> we'll see We'll see really soon who's what and where. But I think that preciousness is going to go away. I think the day of the of the prospect having to maybe get 10 um, gimmies under his belt. And I think, I think boxing's really going to, really going to, you know, blossom now because I think there's, there's so little shoes on. Or, do you know what I mean? That, Space, space is like flipping gold at the minute to get on the show. So people are going to be willing to take risks. Fighters are going to be willing to fight people that they potentially wouldn't have wanted to fight at this point in their career just to get on a show. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're a hundred percent right. And um, I'm gonna... think it's going to be better. I think it's going to be brilliant for the sport. Like I do, and you know what it is as well. And and maybe it's the fight in Irish, and maybe I'm biased. And 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 yes, to both of them, I'll take both boxes and I'll hold my hand up. But uh, I do think that there there is a willingness in this, as I said, and a, a lot of it comes from the amateur um, attitude. It's like there's none of this taking six eight months off. The likes of yourself, the likes of Frampton, the likes of Sean McComb, the likes of all the lads that are coming through there now. They might be having four or five fights a year, you know, and that's. Why not? You know, because why spend six, seven, eight weeks getting yourself into shape like Stephen Ward and then coming back like a, I don't know what, and, and, and then having to spend another six, seven, eight weeks to get it off. Whereas if you can stay in that nick and build and build and build, is it not is it not common sense? Aye. I, I think, aye. I definitely, it's, it's, I used to actually, do you know what? People used to slobber to me online about this. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the posts, but Early on in the career, when I was doing maybe a six rounder or even a four rounder, um, when it just went pro, I was coming over and doing ten week camps, and people were going, "What's this? You know, what's this kid in camp boy? You know, he's fighting a, an easy for six rounds. You know, he doesn't have to be in camp for ten weeks." But it's exactly what you were saying. I was over. I was loving that I was able to come over and not have to worry about having to spend all the time making weight. I was able to come into camp and I had maybe maybe five weeks of just solely being able to l- learn. Do you know what I mean? To yeah. focus on becoming a better fighter instead of just focus on training to make a weight. I was able to come in and actually c- go into the gym to, to educate myself from Jamie and I, you know, on the boxing. And learning how I to think. run a camp then and put the camp together for future for future reference as well. Oh, and using the, taking the bad stuff away that you know of and you're ticking boxes. It's all a process. I'm just looking here now and I'm thinking you're Flame there's um right. there's a fella in the same in the hometown that's holding the belt at the moment. Um are we Big Tommy. We, Big Tommy and he's a do you know what it is? An absolute oh man is there a word for him I don't know there's just just too many he's a gentleman anyway we'll say that first and foremost but oh, um, I, I, I like that way I would really hope that there's not going to be a fight between you fellas unless all the marbles are on the table <laughs> and let's have that in Windsor oh. Park how about that one <laughs> oh, well, people are, people's already people's already been saying about me and Tommy obviously we've been in the amateurs yeah. together and Tommy always every time me and Tommy fought in the amateurs he put me at the post like and uh I think the thing is now, obviously, Tommy's, Tommy's in a really good position now with the WBC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something flipping, obviously, appeals to me, but to me, it just seems that he's, you know, with me just moving up the cruiser now, he's a couple of rungs above. Um, and it's for me to try and to get, to, to get up to that spot. But I, I just, I'm sure the fight will probably happen down in the future, like, you know what I mean? And I'm I'm looking down the road here. I'm guessing maybe eight, seven, eight to ten weeks camp. And without it being too, I'm guessing you can't give away too much at the moment. But the fact that you're in camp, it, would that suggest that there's something we can expect an announcement over the next couple of weeks? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. In a Listen, nutshell. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is, mate? And I'm not just saying this. For me, the MTK are, are the best management out there. Um, the activity to get fighters and the opportunities is phenomenal. And the no... I know something will come along. I have I haven't been told it yet. I haven't. Uh, I was talking to the manager the other day. He says he's waiting to hear. You know, when the football's announced first, because obviously football comes yeah. first before what dates are available, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So for me, I know something's going to come by. So I'm just literally just chomp. But I'm just just I'm just chipping away in the gym and doing what I can do until until I get the nod. Um, I'm hoping something comes up in the next next couple of weeks. I'll get I'll get a date. 
but I know that the days will come thick and fast. So I'm I'm happy enough to be here, mate, and, and be sitting ready. I think uh, every maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I think every no, no, I think you're right, and I think dude. I think the interview, Jamie Conlon. There's a fella that's getting strong. That's getting every time he speaks, he gets better. Jamie Conlon is he's a modern day oh, manager. Jamie's eyes classless. When he talks about managing Michael and the extra the extra pressure brings with him, goes to show the special bond when you can get a f- special manager and as you said, then a special management company behind you. It means you guys then yeah. can focus 100 percent on what you do. Is that fair to say? I yeah, like I I I, I literally own. That's all I have to focus on. Just um focus on me and, and that's really the only thing you can focus on and looking after that little man there beside you because I believe he's going to have some tough opponents coming over the next few weeks is one last push it'll be like a I believe in Indian summer for yourself Steve because I think the hardship and the battle of, of, of battling genetics and everything else are gone now aren't they so it's just you now get to do will we see much of a change in style do you think I think no I think I think it's important to keep a lot of my boxing ability as I've done right up to now but well, I'm gonna be better to wait. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit harder, and I'm just gonna be a hell of a lot fucking happier at the weight. I tell you now, so I'm excited about that. Another enjoyable and honest conversation with a fellow who I believe is going to flourish at cruiserweight. Great to chat with him, and looking forward to many more. Before I wrap up this episode, here's a few other headlines that are after coming to the fore over the last couple of days. Silly season continues with all sorts of talk of crossover craziness. We've heard about McGregor's retirement for the third time until the next time we've heard of Dillian White versus Franny Ngannou KSI against Jake Paul crossovers as we said who do you interest or who do you appeal to that's fine not here Pacquiao versus Triple G is the latest to be included in that pile of um, whatever you want to call it let's just watch and see and wait until there's some worthy news to report on hard to believe three years today Wednesday since Ryan Burnett crowned his arrival on the top level of boxing when he beat Lee Haskins to take the IBF title, I believe. He's a loss to boxing, but he's a huge gain to the fitness industry. And we will have Ryan, not too far away future, to chat about all that and his new plans. First behind closed doors show last night. Yours truly here stayed up for it. Was it wise? Was it not? Look, it's one of those things I wanted to see when it was happening. I wanted to witness it. I wanted to sample it. It was a great production. It was a great package. It looked great. Sounded great. Apart from Max um, salivating over Floyd. 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 Does anybody realise that Max Kellerman is a Floyd Mayweather fan? Yeah. And then of course we had an unbelievably brilliant analysis by Dre Ward. Andre Ward. And then we had Timothy Bradley. Overall boxing is back. It's back. It's going to take a little bit of getting used to. These shows are going to be tweaked. Perfected. And it won't be long before. If that's all we've got, well, that's what I'll take. Shakur Stevenson, I'm not sold at Feather or Super Feather. But then, that's not for me to decide. Let me know your thoughts on that one. Hit me up. What do you think of Shakur Stevenson? That's about it for now. For me and them and then, thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay sane, and we'll catch you soon. <laughs>